Parshas Devarim, Tishabav, rebuilding the ruins. The Churban Beis HaMikdash, although it took place thousands of years ago, is such of a significance that the entire Am Yisrael together observe it every year in a national day of mourning. And the truth is, it's not only Tishabav. On numerous occasions throughout the year, we remind ourselves of the mourning. It's on the mind of every loyal Jew every day. It's in our daily tefillahs too. Now, if this subject is so important, then it's not enough to merely go along with the impression that we gained as little children and to continue living with those same childish impressions. When we approach the mitzvah to mourn, it's important to prepare at least somewhat beforehand. And then, when Tisha B'Av comes, we won't walk empty-handed into that important day on the Jewish calendar. And we won't walk out empty-handed either. Now the truth is that even if you're just sitting on the floor and saying the kinos along with everyone else, it's valuable. Even if you don't understand the meaning of the words, just the fact that you're joining in the national mourning, that already is something. Of course, it's good to take a peek at the translation once in a while if you have it. You can get a translation of the kinos and of Eicha and study it beforehand. But even if you didn't, you're sitting on the ground and you're saying words of mourning that our people have said for thousands of years. That's already something. But the best thing is to think, to take advantage of Tisha B'Av. We have to listen to the advice of the great man, Shlomo HaMelech in Koheles. Lakol Zaman. There's a time for everything. It means that for every kind of perfection of character, there is a Zaman, a time. There are so many different times during the year, and each one is an opportunity to accomplish a different kind of perfection. It's up to you, however, to know that when the time comes, you have to make use of it. Tisha B'Av, you have to know, is a time to sit down on the ground and weep. Not to look at the clock and see how many hours it is until supper time. Oh no, you have to weep on Tisha B'Av. Morning on Tisha B'Av is a shlemis. And the more morning, the more perfection. Like it says in Yeshaya, La'avele tzion la'ted lahem. The more efer, the more you put ashes on you, the more pe'er you're going to get. The more perfection of character. And so we should analyze, at least superficially, the elements that we can discern in the matter of the Churban Beis HaMikdash. When Shlomo built the Beis HaMikdash, the Shekhinah came in and filled the entire Hechah. Az Amar Shlomo. When Shlomo saw that, he said, Hashem, Amal Lishkon Ba'arafel. Hashem said, he's going to dwell in a thick cloud. And everybody saw the Shekhinah. That's what Hashem promised us. Ba'asuli Mikdash. They shall make for me a Mikdash, which means a holy place and a special place for me. Veshachanti Bitocham. And I shall dwell there in their midst. In a nutshell, that's what the Beis Hamikdash meant. We felt that Hashem lives with us. That feeling, that awareness, was something that transformed the lives of the Am Yisroel. Just a visit to Yerushalayim transformed the person. The Torah says that's the reason for bringing Maeser Sheni to Yerushalayim. You know, Maeser Sheni means that every year, almost every year, you separate one-tenth of your produce and you bring it to Yerushalayim to eat. 
And it takes some time before you consume all that food. A tenth of your produce. Sometimes you have to spend weeks in Yerushalayim before you can eat it all up. And what's it for? The Torah says in Devarim, it's for the purpose of Laman Tilmad Liyira Es Hashem. So that you become more and more aware of Hashem's presence every minute that you are there. All day long, you are in the shadow of Hashem's home. That was the greatness of having a Beis HaMikdash. The knowledge that the Shechina lives with us. Now the Binyan Shlomo was the pride of our nation. It was perfect in everything. The Kohanim Gedolim were anointed with the Shemen Hamishcha. They had the two Luchos Habris. The stone tablets were there inside. Everything graced the first Beis HaMikdash. And nobody ever dreamed that the hand of a Gentile could ever touch it. Nobody ever dreamed this could happen. You, Elohim, are fearsome when you come out of your sanctuary to Hillam. Constantly you find such expressions in Tanakh. From the Mikdash, the power of Hashem came forth to defend His people. It was unthinkable that it could be destroyed. But finally, that dreaded day came when the nation saw the Beis HaMikdash set to the torch. The house of Hashem, the house where our Hashem lived with us, is burning. It was a great day of mourning, never to be forgotten. And that's why, to this day, when we mourn, it's mostly for the Chorban Habayis. However, it wasn't only the Beis HaMikdash that fell. The loss of the Sanhedrin in the Lishkas Hagazis is a tremendous, irreparable loss. It was the Torah center from which the Torah Hashem flowed out to all the corners of Eretz Yisrael. The Lishkas Hagazis in the Beis Hamigdash was the center of the Torah nation. And that went lost along with the destruction of the Beis Hamigdash. We have to mourn for the loss of Nevoah. Ah, the prophets, the Nevi'im. What a great gift that was. When the Shekhinah was Shoireb Yisrael and the Nevi'im spoke words of truth, the word of Hashem enlightened the eyes of the people. When the Beis Hamikdash was destroyed, Nevoah seized and we lost that great opportunity. We don't have the great teachers, the pathfinders, the guides that we had in the days of old. That's something to weep over. What about the loss of our national happiness? We have to picture how our forefathers went up to Yerushalayim three times a year in masses. Every town had a little army of men and their families who set out to Yerushalayim three times a year. They would march on the roads with the cattle and sheep that they intended to bring as offerings. They put on their Yom Tov garments and they took along musical instruments, and they sang and played music on the road. And soon, they heard from another road the same sounds of festivity. And they were joined by a band from the next town as the roads merged. As they continued, the army swelled and became a huge multitude. And soon, the roads were clogged. You could barely move. But they were all singing and dancing on the road. They were oblivious to the time. They didn't realize that the minutes were passing by. To them, it seemed that time was standing still. They weren't in Yerushalayim yet, 
but they were already enjoying the presence of the Shekhinah. Like David describes in Shira Ma'alos, Omdot hayura glenu, Suddenly we discovered that our feet were standing within your gates, Yerushalayim. And the Mamuna, in charge of the group, said, Halt! We are already here. They were standing in the streets. And Yerushalayim was mobbed. There were millions in the city. We know this from the secular historians. The city was jammed with Jews, and it was all in a festive mood. Now that happiness of ancient Yerushalayim is a subject worth studying. Oh, there were so many happy occasions when the nation gathered there. You will eat there and rejoice before Hashem, Devarim. They ate meat of korbanos, which they roasted, and they drank wine, and they danced with simcha, until the spirit of Hashem came upon them, and many became prophets. The nation was happy. What was the mark of the days of old? They were times of joy. No matter what joy the world attempts to accomplish in its festivities, it doesn't approach the simcha that our forefathers enjoyed when they gathered together with Hashem in Yerushalayim. And so when we look back on the happy times of the days of old, we mourn for that joy that we do not experience today. You should think about that while you're sitting on the floor on Tijabah. We look back with regret and we mourn the simcha that departed from our people. We mourn for that song of joy which now became silent. Now, included in that happiness we possessed was our pride in HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We knew who we were. The nation chosen by the king of the universe. And therefore, another element of our weeping is the honor of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Al Kibod Simcha HaMichulal. His great name that was profaned when the Gentiles marched into the sanctuary and destroyed it. They ridiculed us. Where is your God? They laughed. They put a torch to the Mikdash and slew the sages. And the name of Hashem was profaned in the world. The pride of the Am Yisrael. Our pride in Hashem went lost to a very big extent. After the Mikdash was destroyed, the false religions, the imitating religions arose. Islam and Christianity. And they belittled our people. They mocked us, and they said that we are living in darkness and error, and that they have the truth. And they blamed us for persisting in our refusal to accept their new truths. And because we were in Gullus now, so we had to be silent. For generations all over Europe, instead of living in the shadow of the Mikdash, we lived in the shadow of the cathedral, and we were considered subhumans, outcasts of society. The Gentiles made it their business that we should live in the very worst of social conditions. Pope after Pope issued decrees that the Jews should not be allowed to lift their heads. Don't kill them, the Pope said, but don't let them lift up their heads. It was considered a kindliness when they didn't extinguish our lives. And by the way, they didn't always follow the Pope's advice to leave the Jews alive. And in the Muslim world as well, they spat upon the Jew. In Yerushalayim, just a generation ago, there was an old Rav who walked in the street. He was from a distinguished rabbinical family, the Bardaki family. And an Arab was passing by with a little donkey 
carrying some merchandise. The Arab stopped the old Rav, and he put everything on the back of the old Rav, even the little donkey. The Arab was riding on Rabbi Bardaki with all the packs from the donkey on him, and he sat on the Rabbi's shoulders. The Rabbi had to keep quiet. He couldn't do anything against the Arab. And he took the Arab to his house, and he humbly deposited him at his doorstep, and he went home. He thanked Hashem that he remained alive. In Yerushalayim, in Akoidesh. And so when we weep on Tisha B'Av, we think about these things. There is so much to think about. And we look back on our glorious history. And we see what we once possessed and what went lost afterwards. And we hope for the time when once again we'll be zoicheh to what went lost from us. Now, we have to understand the purpose in looking back at the Churban Beis HaMikdash. When a man looks back and he mourns, we have to ask him, do you know why you are weeping? Is it merely to express Avelos for those great errors and great possessions which we once had? Yes, certainly. But it's more than that. It's also a way of looking forward. I'll explain that. Suppose it's possible for you to go tomorrow to Eretz Yisrael and rebuild the Beis Hamikdash. Let's say you have billions and billions of dollars and you could buy off the Arab they would obligingly remove themselves and give you the opportunity to rebuild the Beis HaMikdash. Imagine that because of you, the Israeli government would resign and the Gedoyle Yisrael would take over Rav Moshe Feinstein and the Lubavitcher Rebbe and the Satmarav also. All of the Roshe Yeshivas. You'd bring them in and they'd all sit together to make decisions about building the Beis HaMikdash. Now, some things they couldn't do, because you need Eliyahu Hanavi to answer some questions. But very many practices could be restored immediately. Shamati, shemakrivim af alpi, she'ein mikdash. The Mishnah and Eduyas says that you can bring korbanos even today. I'm not giving any piske halachas now, but superficially, we can say that many things could be done before Mashiach comes. Now, imagine a man who has the power to organize all of that. But instead of doing anything, as soon as Tisha B'Av is over, he goes back to his ordinary life. On Tisha B'Av, he sits on the ground all day long, weeping for the lost Beis Hamikdash. The tears are flowing. And then on Moitzei Tisha B'Av, he gets up from the floor and wipes the dust off of his pants. And he goes home. He goes back to his job and back to normal living. Can we say that this man was weeping sincerely? Did he even know what he was weeping about? It can't be. A person cannot be considered a sincere Avel on the Churban Beis HaMikdash unless he makes use of the opportunities that he has. Unless the morning spurs him to look forward and to rebuild. Actually, that's what happened at the time of the Churban. Our forefathers weren't Yoytse with just mourning. They didn't throw up their hands and say, we give up. You know what they were doing? As soon as the Khurban took place, they began building immediately. That was their reaction to the destruction. While they were burning the Beis Hamikdash in Yerushalayim, Rabban Yochanan ben Zakkai was sitting in Yavne and making takanos for the future of the Jewish nation. The sages were establishing Yavne at the time, as if it was a substitute for the Beis Hamikdash. They blew shofar in Yavne on Shabbos, just like they did in the Beis Hamikdash. And the people were summoned to be Olaregel to Yavne three times a year instead of the Mikdash. 
it was an innovation, something new. Now you might think, how could Rabban Yochanan ben Zakkai do that? He should sit and mourn. He should have been heartbroken. The answer is that certainly he mourned. Absolutely. But in the midst of his mourning, he was a very active builder. He was very old, by the way. And old people usually are the ones to give up in desperation. But not Rabban Yochanan ben Zakkai. He understood what mourning means. You appreciate what went lost so intensely that you're doing whatever you can to replace it. And so, with his eyes to the future, Rabban Yochanan ben Zakkai was as busy as could be preparing for the future. He brought in a young Nasi, Rabban Gamliel, and he appointed him to take over the job. And he told the older Chachamim, you obey him. He is the boss. He was building, and he encouraged all the Chachamim, who were his disciples, to build along with him. While the Beis HaMikdash, the center of Torah life, was burning, they sat down to rebuild the spiritual Beis HaMikdash. They began now to review all of the Mishnayas and to argue about every letter, every detail. And many halachas were clarified in Yavne. They built up the Torah Shabal Peh at that time, so it should be a solid building for generations. And then, when Rabbeinu HaKadosh came along after the Churban of Betar, the Rambam says Betar was even a bigger Churban than the Mikdash. So Rebbe didn't say, what can we do? We're so sad. And that's all. Of course, he asked HaKadosh Baruch Hu that he should restore the glory of old. But he wasn't Yoytzeh with that. Rebbe called together all of the Chachamim. And for years and years, they sat and counted every ois until finally... The Mishnah was sealed by Rebbe. The Churban that took place didn't stop them from building a new Beis HaMikdash, and the new Beis HaMikdash was the Torah Shabal Peh, the Mishnah. And the Jewish nation now lives in that Beis HaMikdash. We are housed in the Mishnah. And then along came the Chachmei Hadoros, Rabbi Yochanan, and all the other Chachmei Eretz Yisroel, the Amoraim, and then in Bavel came Rav and Shmuel, and then Rav Huna, and Rav Yehuda, and then Rabbah and Rav Yosef. There were many others. And then came Abaye and Rava, and these were the builders of the Talmud Bavli. They were building up the Beis Hamikdash even more. They put stone on stone. They made doorways. They made roofs. They made chambers. Each Masechta is a huge Lishka in the Beis Hamikdash. And finally came Rav Ashi and his great assemblage of Chachamim. And they made a Chanukah bias, And they concluded the Talmud Bavli. The Talmud Bavli, you have to know, is our sanctuary. The Jewish nation lives in that Beis HaMikdash. Even more securely than the generations of old lived in the physical Beis HaMikdash. To this day, the Jewish nation lives in the Talmud. We rejoice in the Talmud. We pass in and out of those doorways. We breathe the air of the Talmud. We live with the aspirations and the ideals of the Talmud. We look at the world through the eyes of the Talmud. And therefore, Rav Ashi and all those that came before him were building in the midst of their mourning. And so we see now what the subject of Tisha B'Av really is. What is the function of mourning? Building. If we really mourn for the past, if we regret what we lost, then it means that we are full of interest, full of desire and ambition to build everything that went lost. We want to rebuild the Torah nation. Now, some people 
when they hear this, they are confused. Is that really what we're talking about when we mourn for the Beis HaMikdash and look forward to Yomos HaMashiach? So we open up a Rambam. The Rambam in Hilchus Molochim asks, what is it that the Tzadikim and the Hasidim look forward to when they await the days of Mashiach? Is it that they want to come back to Eretz soil and eat the beautiful fruits of the land and enjoy the happiness? No, says the Rambam. That's not the happiness that we're yearning for. It's not the physical joy which we once experienced that we want to re-experience. Listen to what the Rambam says. We are looking forward to be free from the Shibud Malchuyus so we can achieve perfection of the mind and of the character. We want to be free to study Torah and its wisdom in order to acquire Oilam Haba. Today, we're subject to the nations. They make us work for them. If you pay taxes, it means that one day out of five, you're working for the government. Our lives are given away for programs that help loafers and criminals. College professors get grants of money from the government to go and study the most intimate details of how Aleutian Indians live. Tremendous grants of money from the government they get, and we're paying for it. So we're giving away our lives for Shibud Malchuyus. Besides, the Shibud Malchuyus is a very bad influence. We're so busy struggling against the immorality that we see all around us, the sheker of evolution in the colleges and the wildness of the youth, every form of degradation that we see in Gullus. That's also Shibud Malchuyus. And so we mourn for what we once had, the purity of Eretz Yisrael in the days of old. And we look forward to the time when Mashiach will redeem us from all this, and we will finally be at leisure. Now, what will we do with our spare time? You think you'll sit in the mountains at a kosher hotel and eat three kosher meals a day? No, we're not asking for that. The Rambam says we're mourning because we're looking forward to leisure time when we will be able to sit in the shtibul or in the yeshiva all day long. That's all? You're thinking to sit in the yeshiva? You're disappointed. Maybe you're too ashamed to admit it, but that's what you're thinking. Oh, it's a disappointment. It means we're not mourning for the Beis Hamikdash. We don't really mean it. Because once the Beis Hamikdash comes, we'll have to sit in the Beis Hamedrash all day long. There's nothing else to do. You don't have to work. You go out and work a little bit. But the fields will give a great deal. Venatana ha'aretz yivula. The land will yield its fruits. You'll have easy parnasa, And you'll have a lot of time with nothing to do. So what will you do? You'll travel to Switzerland. No, you can't leave the land when Mashiach comes. Eretz Hamim is mitame. It's like Tumas Mace. You have to remain in Eretz Yisrael. You'll watch television. There won't be television. Movies? No movies. In Eretz Yisrael, not a single movie. Nothing. No pizza parlors. Nothing to do. Even to drive around in your car. I don't know if you'll have that. There will be very strict laws because cars are dangerous. You know, according to the Torah, when you find a man dead in Eretz Yisrael, you make the biggest fuss with an Egla Arufa. And you have to send from a Sanhedrin, a committee to investigate. It's a whole fuss if one man is found dead. So, of course, they wouldn't allow cars to speed back and forth. So in Eretz Yisrael, everybody will be busy sitting in the base Hamedrish, 
learning Torah. Everybody will troop out from the houses to the yeshivas every day, come back at night and eat supper and go back to the Bate Midroshim. That's what will be in Mashiach's time. Every day, packed Bate Midroshim. Women will be cooking meals for their husbands who are learning Torah and for their children. And they'll be learning Musr and Yirah Shamayim all the time because women too will have a lot of free time. The Gentile kings will be your servants to bring up your sons and the queens will be governesses and tutors for your little children. Yeshaya. Not to teach them Torah, but to teach them how to go to the toilet. The queens will take the little girls to the toilet and the kings will take your little boys to teach them how to put on their shoes and stockings and they'll tie the knot in their shoes. And we, the Am Yisrael, men and women, boys and girls, will be free to serve Hashem. That's what we are really weeping for. For the Torah nation that went lost, we're looking forward to that great opportunity when we'll be able to sing again. Then the Jewish nation will sing. When the Beis Hamikdash is rebuilt, we will sing songs of Torah, shlemus, and perfection of character with a crescendo that we could never reach in Gullus. It will be the highest and most beautiful song ever heard in history. We are rebuilding now, but at the same time, that's what we're looking forward to. Now, as important as it is to continue rebuilding the Torah nation, we should never lose sight of how we can participate in that rebuilding in our own private lives. When we sit down and mourn, we should think about the opportunity we have to build a Beis Hamikdash in our own homes. Now, I know that when you hear that, you think it's just an exaggeration. Something I'm saying just to interest you in the subject. But if you listen well, you'll see that it's not exaggeration at all. You have to know that at the time of the Khurban, there were some who began to say that there's no use getting married anymore. They wanted to make a prohibition of having children. Gemara Baba Basra. Look how many people we lost to the Romans already. It's no use having children anymore. Let's just die out gradually. That's how the weaker people mourned, by giving up. They sat on the floor and cried, and they stopped looking forward. Oh no, that's a big mistake. That's not how we mourn. Of course, we look back, and we're sad, but we should never stop looking ahead. And included in that is the Beis Hamikdash that we could still build today. That's the Torah family, the Torah home. The Gemara in Masech the Pesachim is discussing a Pasuk in Tehillim. Asher banenu kinti'im. Our sons are like plants. Migudalim binurehem. They are raised up from their youth. That means our children are brought up in the Jewish home like plants. They're watered carefully. They're tended to and they grow into beautiful trees. And our daughters the same. Binotenu kizaviot. Our daughters are like corner pillars. They are the cornerstones, the supports of our homes. Now he goes on and explains further. Our sons are like plants. Elu bachure Yisrael shelu tamu tamchet. These are the Jewish youth that never tasted sin. You know, in the olden days, every Jewish boy was bashful. He couldn't even talk to a girl. The truth is that to a great extent... That's how it used to be even 50 years ago. Our youth were brought up like pure saplings and they were watered 
with Baishunas, with Yiras Chet. They were innocent boys, and they married young. They never knew what Chet was, and it wasn't just a few. That was the Jewish nation in the days of old. Now we have to understand that he's talking about the yeshivas of today as well. Of course, they're not like they used to be. But today, our yeshiva men are our pride. Yeshiva people, we are proud of them. They are bashful boys. They are modest. They are far from Alvedas. Some learn more, some learn less. But still, they have been trained in the way of Yisrael Saba. And they go with Snias and Yiras Hashem. And our girls... These are the Jewish girls who maintain their tznias. They're perfectly modest. Our daughters, Baruch Hashem, are base Yaakov girls, base Rachel girls, base Rivka girls, beautiful girls. They're covered up. They're well-dressed. They know that their job is to get married and to be loyal wives and loyal mothers, and they'll be busy in their homes. That's our pride. Now, that Pasuk in Tehillim concludes with the following three words. Mechutavot tavnit hechal. They're being shaped with the shape of a palace. And listen to what the Gemara says about that. Elu ve'elu. On these sons and daughters. Ma'ale alehen hakatuv. Ki'ilu nivne hechal b'mehem. It's considered as if the hechal, the Beis HaMikdash, was rebuilt in their days. By having sons and daughters and raising them properly, it is actually a form of rebuilding the Beis HaMikdash. Now let's not get lost in Mishalim, in a form of speech and metaphors. That is actually the Binyan Beis HaMikdash. When people get married with the intention of raising big families, big from families, they are the ones who are entitled to weep for the Churban Beis HaMikdash because they mean business. Here's a woman with ten children, all from. She gave her life to raise those children. She was cooking all her life. She nursed them. She washed diapers for them. She cleaned the house for them. She saw to it that her husband went to learn and didn't sit in the house in the evening wasting his time. She encouraged her sons to go to learn. The little boys had to know the chumash. When they came home, she said, take out the Gemara and learn. Her daughters dressed with sneers. She made sure they helped in the house. The father too. He's out in the office working long hours so he could pay the schar limud. But he's watching over the children too. They keep every kutso shel yud of the halachas. No muksa, No lashen hara. Everything is done with kashas, with sneers. And so our sages want us to know that people who are raising such sons and daughters are not building the mikdash alpi mashal. They're actually, factually, building the Hechal. It's considered as if the base Hamigdash, the Hechal, was rebuilt in their days. That's why the Gemara and Bracha says, Kol If you come to a wedding, a kosher Jewish wedding, men over here, women over there, and you add joy to the groom and bride, so it's as if you are rebuilding one of the ruined houses of Yerushalayim. Because that's something else that we're mourning for. Besides the Churban Beis Hamikdash, there was also a Churban of the Jewish dwellings, the Jewish homes. What the Jewish home was in the ancient times, we have no idea how holy they were. I'm always repeating what was said about 70 years ago or more by Rav Yeruchim Zatzal, the Mashkiach of Mir Yeshiva in Poland. Mir Kenen Nisht Farshtin. He said, 
We're not able to understand the greatness of our great-grandmothers and great-grandfathers. Now, Rav Yerucham lived in a time where there were many from Jews yet. Not everybody, but there were many from Jews. And there's no question, there were still many beautiful holy homes of Sadiqim. But the homes of the great-grandmothers were something different. Not only we don't equal the greatness of their grandmothers, he said, we don't understand them. Mir kenen nisht farshtin. You can't understand their greatness. They lived on such a different degree. Once upon a time, the Jewish home was Kodesh Kadoshim. And so, we mourn the loss of the Churvos Yerushalayim. Not just one Churban Beis Hamikdash. We mourn the loss of all those holy dwellings of our ancestors. And one of the purposes of our mourning is so that we can understand what we lost and try to rebuild as much as possible. We mourn, but then we get up on Moitzei Tisha B'Av, and we keep building. And so, let's say you're going to a chasana next week, right after Tisha B'Av. You have to know what you're doing there. When you come to a chasana, what's the function of being Mesameach Chasan Vakala? What's the purpose? The function is to let them know how important this occasion is. Suppose they were getting married and nobody came to the wedding. The Masadar Kedushin came and he brought with him two Edim. A few more Jews were there to make a minion. It's a good chasana. It's kosher v'yashar. But it's a lost opportunity. The chasana and kala have to see that it's a major event. We have to see that it's a major event. The truth is, if we had the ability, we should do it in a stadium. And all the seats should be full. Hundreds of thousands of people should be present. Only that we can't do that. People are busy, and the children can't be left in the house alone, and the father has to go out to the base madrash. But we pack in as many as you can to impress on ourselves that there's a very important occasion taking place now. Because when you're you're telling them, listen, you young people, you know what you're doing now. You're going to do something of the utmost importance in the eyes of Hashem. You're building a little base hamigdash where the Shekhinah is going to dwell. And therefore, when you come and you make a big noise, the band, of course, is important. The orchestra is playing and you're dancing and everyone is coming over to the chasan. Mazel tov, mazel tov. And the chasan is thinking, oh, look, my old friend from Masifta came by and my second cousin from Detroit is also here dancing. It must be an important occasion if he comes such a big distance for my wedding. Yes, my friend. This is a very important occasion. And that's why we're being here. That's why we're dancing so much. If you write out a nice check and give it to them, it's also a simcha. It's a big happiness to get a check. The bigger the check, the bigger the happiness. But if you have no money to give them, you have to act wild, excited. You dance up a storm and show how important that occasion is. We're building now one of the ancient Jewish homes of Yerushalayim. You're rebuilding now. You're participating, encouraging, supporting the rebuilding of Yerushalayim. How tremendous is the accomplishment of a home where a chasen and kala live together and begin to build a family. Whatever you can do is worth doing. Nobody is an angel. Nobody is perfect. But every attempt to build a house with frum boys and girls where you'll serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu together will be rewarded as if you rebuilt the base Hamigdash. So if a man lives loyally with his wife 
And he has a firm Jewish home with idealism. Avaita Sashem, Gimilus Chasadim, good manners, Shmiras Haloshon, Midas Toivas, Sadaka, every form of Avaita Sashem. And together, they're raising up fine children, sons and daughters, and many of them. That's building a base Hamigdash. It's not merely a form of speech. Don't say, but it's not the real thing. Because what good is a base Hamigdash with Korbanas and Kohanim and everything else? If the Jew is sitting in his house and he's Bechalel, the Torah, in his house. The purpose of the Mikdash is so that the holiness, the inspiration, the Torah attitudes should flow from the Beis HaMikdash into the homes. And so whether or not there's a Mikdash in Yerushalayim, your home is where it matters most. And even though you're married a long time already, an old Chassan and Kala who got married 50 years ago, Try from now to start climbing the ladder upwards. Try to build your house with the glory that once dwelled in the Jewish homes. It's never too late. Even old people, if they decide from now on that they're going to try to live with the utmost derecheretz, utmost politeness, of course you should have to add the l'shem shamayim. You want to build a house of kedusha where the Shekhinah will dwell among you. You can start rebuilding their homes in the spirit of the Churvos Yerushalayim, the Kedusha of the Jewish family. And the time will come that Asida, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, L'Hachziro Lanu, HaKadosh Baruch Hu will bring back his Shechina to Tzion, and we will see again all of the original glory that went lost. And we look forward to the day when it will be rebuilt in the most literal sense. And on that great day, everything that went lost at the Churbon, the Beis Hamikdash, and all of the holy institutions that came along with it, the awareness of Hashem's presence among us, the pride that we had, and the holy Jewish homes, all of that will be returned to us forever and ever. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Let's get practical. Morning and building. In various lectures, Rav Miller recommended sitting on the floor briefly every night in morning over the Churban. This week, I will believe that sit on the floor every night and review the ideas that I learned in this booklet. Number one, the great losses that we suffer in Gullus. Number two, true mourning is marked by a desire to restore what was lost. Thus, we must seek to erect a palace of Torah. Number three, Jewish homes are also sanctuaries and places of Hashem's presence.